G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. As we turn our attention to some insights and what we might glean from the life of one of the greatest preachers of the past century. His powerful preaching and passion for the gospel made him one of the most influential preachers in the world. I'm talking about Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Of all of the great preachers in the history of the Christian church, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones is one of the few whose sermons are available in a recorded format. I'll tell you how you can listen to those. Our special guest today is Greg Jones. Greg is president of the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust, and this year marks the 10th anniversary of that trust, and that's looking to continue the legacy of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Greg Jones is in the US today. He grew up in Wales. Home for him now is in Florida in the United States. Hey, Greg, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you. Uh, Greg, the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust, just quickly, a 10th anniversary. So uh, people, perhaps including you, uh, said we've got to keep this legacy alive. Uh, It is a special milestone getting to a 10th anniversary. Give us an, an insight here into the Trust as it stands today. Yes, indeed. We have been a trust uh, in the based here in the United States for the last 10 years, although there was a previous organization which used to circulate the tapes of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones back then, and they used to, it was a for-profit business, and they used to circulate them all over the world. However, 10 years ago, the decision was made uh, by the family and others that um, we wanted to make this uh, ministry, they rather wanted to make this ministry uh, one which people could listen freely to the sermons. Hence, uh, the charity was set up 10 years ago and the website set up. And now they are you know, given away uh, for free of charge so that the gospel can can go forth. So even though the trust is 10 years old, uh, there have been the sermons have been available for far longer. But I'm glad to say that a lot more people can listen to them now that they're online and readily available. Uh, important information, uh, sermons, some of the greatest ever preached and free. I will tell you how you can get a hold of those and where you can access those sermons just ahead. Hey, I can't go too much further here, Greg. Uh, Jones is a popular name in Wales. Uh, are you, in fact, in any way related to the great Martin Lloyd-Jones? I am not, and it's always a bit of a disappointment, I feel. Uh, I'm not related Uh uh, as you, you rightly said, it's a very popular name in Wales. There was once a story of a rugby team of 15 people and 11 of them named Wales, uh, named, named Jones. So, uh, you know, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm not related. I, I did. I am from the town he first ministered in, in Wales, however. Okay. And when you were growing up in Wales uh, as a child and growing in through your teenage years, uh, give us your insight here, because you were not necessarily captivated by his sermons then, and then something happened. Uh, give us your own experience of actually coming to love the sermons of Martin Lloyd-Jones. 
I'd be happy to. You know, I often reflect that I, I sometimes think that, that Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones is better known here in the States than he is in his home country. In fact, I'm certain of that. Um, growing up in the town where he ministered, I'm never familiar with the name in any way. I didn't grow up in the church, so I, I wouldn't be. Um, but then uh, after my conversion, I started going to a church uh, in Wales, and then you started hearing the name of the doctor, or Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones would, would do this or say this. So the name became familiar. Um, I can't remember exactly how I came upon the recordings uh, or his sermons. Um, however, I believe it was shortly after I came to the United States, and I realized that this was just wonderful preaching that I could not get enough of. It was a, a very formative stage of my Christian life. And I just loved the. even though I was a young Christian, um, his sermons were all very accessible. He talked about deep theological topics, but he did so in such a clear and understandable way. He had a, a logic to his expositions that you could follow. So I remember finding out and then I would listen to them on the, on the way into work and uh, and look for other opportunities to listen to them and, and couldn't get enough of them really. So uh, even though I'm from the town, I really only became familiar with the ministry when I moved to the United States uh, and then, you know, have read his works and listened as much as I could. Let me ask you about new versus old. Here we are in a very digital generation uh, you new modern uh, emerging generation wants all things fresh and new. Uh, mm. When you are then exposed to something that's old, uh, as in uh, Martin Lloyd Jones and his preaching, uh, when we talk about Christian things, when we talk about Bible exposition, uh, old is not necessarily bad, is it? Old has got real advantage. I really believe that it, it has got advantage, and, and it, I think that it's the same story, and, and you know the, the message hasn't changed. And uh, in, in in that case, there's a even though you could you could say that the sermons are now coming up to what seventy years, some of them sixty years old, they're still very relevant. And the question is, well, how how were they, do they remain? These messages remain relevant. Well, they're timeless because scripture is timeless, and if they stick to the scriptures in preaching, then they apply to different situations and different times. And so I would say in this instance that, it, you know, it's not necessarily old is best. However, um, the quality still has to be there. And if you can find old sermons um, that have that quality, like I believe these sermons of Dr. Lloyd-Jones's are, then they're, then they're priceless. And uh, I, I, for one, am thankful. I, I once heard it said that it was actually possible to record the sermons of Charles Spurgeon at the time. The technology was available, but nobody did it. And I guess it was in a very nascent form. But I, for one, am very glad that somebody had the foresight to record these sermons at a time when that was not the done thing. You know, people didn't record their sermons every Sunday and publish them on various different websites. So um, I'm thankful that somebody had the foresight, the people, the, the, the nameless saints at Westminster Chapel who've gone to glory had the insight to say we need to be recording these for future generations of Christians not knowing but perhaps having some insights as to where preaching was going back then and realizing we need to preserve these this is old traditional expository preaching that may come in handy for the church at some point and I and you know I think that that is proven to be true I do believe these are handy for us today as we reflect on 
that question, what is preaching? Let's get some context here, uh, because for 30 years, he was minister of Westminster Chapel in London. And that's where Mm -hmm. he became known as an expository preacher of the Bible. Now, uh, context-wise, the day before he was due to be officially accepted into the position at Westminster Mm -hmm. Chapel... Uh, World War II started in Europe. So there's real context there if you think of when are we talking about here in the 20th century? Mm-hmm. So so in all of that, this 30-year uh, tenure in Westminster Chapel, this was a time which was the making of this style of expository preaching that really came to the fore for him. Yeah. In, indeed. And, you know, at the time, you have to remember that there was a mass exodus of people leaving London and, and a congregation, I believe, at one time was down to about 150 people of this chapel, which holds 2000 people. Um, so within that context, I think it makes it even more interesting that Dr. Lloyd-Jones believed in the pre- expository preaching and the preaching of the gospel and the power of the word of God, even though at the time there were people who was telling him, you know, the numbers are dwindling. We need to do something. We need to do something different uh, to bring people in because it, it wasn't happening. The, the numbers were awful. But he believed he needed to stick to the message. And uh, I hear a funny story recently that there was a congregant who was saying that we need to change the method. We need to not simply do this preaching of the gospel, this simple preaching of the gospel. And Dr. Lloyd-Jones turned to the congregant and said, when I was a... Uh, physician, I never asked the patient to write the prescription for me. And he stuck to his prescription of what it would take to give that church power and life. And it wasn't programs. It was the preaching of the gospel. And he believed that that was the way that God changes individuals, changes families, changes societies. And even if, if God blesses changes countries. So he stuck to the plan in that context of very difficult times uh, in, in London. And, you know, I think it proved itself to be true in the coming decades. A powerful insight uh, that a doctor doesn't ask a patient uh, what the prescription ought to be. Now, coming back to the fact that he trained initially as a medical doctor uh, and mm-hmm. held in such high esteem that he was touted to be even the next royal physician, uh, what was it that sort of caused him to take a different direction and uh, to become a minister of the gospel and not a medical doctor? Well, I believe it was nothing other than the power of God in in his life that, that persuaded him and showed him that that is what the call on his life was. And it, it was a call that he grappled with for over two years and lost 20 pounds on an already slender frame and something which he thought long and hard and people advised against it. They said, what a waste. You could be there saving lives. And why don't you think about be- becoming a, a lay preacher? And, and Dr. Lloyd-Jones rejected the, the principle. He believed that if it was a call on the life, a preacher had to go and do it. But it was really um, the Lord which drew him to this work and working in and through the various circumstances that he was exposed to. To us, it would seem like a a... a a high life of being a revered, esteemed physician, um, thought of with great um, prestige amongst the elite of, of London. He was invited to 
country parties. He'd be rubbing shoulders with uh, politicians and other of the um, elite in, in London. But actually, I think the Lord was using those experiences to point to him of the real, really the bankruptcy of it. He would comment once that he couldn't get over the amount of backbiting and and stabbing people in the back that took place in that elite and that medical community. And uh, even though he was a part of it, there was an incident which he recalls that he was leaving the theater. He had a friend visit from London. They went to the theater, watched the play. And after the play, um, Dr. Lloyd-Jones sees a band of Salvation Army people marching past and realizes then, these are my people and I must go and be with them. So it was a, a combination of factors which, which worked on his soul during that period that made him realize and to be absolutely convinced that was the work that God wanted for him. And he also knew the message of the preaching of the gospel that, the, that he felt that the church and the world needed. So that's what really took him out of it, uh, even though, as I say, people counseled against it. How do you feel, Greg? I mean, some people think of entering the ministry as, you know, something you do shortly out of school and uh, you move into a Bible college and then uh, somehow or other you get ordained and you're appointed into a church context somewhere. Here's Martin Lloyd-Jones, who had a uh, what you might even say is a, a quite illustrious career ahead as a physician mm-hmm. and the thought of being a professional and saying, I'm going to set that aside because of perhaps the call of God uh, to move mm. into ministry. Is there something in that that we glean from his life that can really apply into our own hearts today? I think there is. And, and Lloyd-Jones would say that you can't make a preacher. A, a preacher is born. And uh, he believed that it was the way that the Lord molds a man for a particular person in his personality, in his circumstances that would lead him into becoming a herald, a proclaimer of the gospel. And of course, you can't put a time. There's no set formula for that. And, you know, I I reflect on his time in Wales. And one of the interesting things I've learned there is that Shortly after coming to his ministry in Wales, he he jettisoned the new members class because he noticed that oftentimes new members were simply it was a teenage um, rite of passage where they these teenagers would then go and become members. And he abandoned the way that the church was operating because he knew that God can call anybody at any time at any age and made the membership much more open. And as a result, in Sandfields, they had what him and his wife would call elderly babes, grown men, some in their 70s and 80s, becoming converted and then going through and eventually becoming church members because God can call for his purposes anybody at any time. So I would, I would just draw from that anecdote the, the same thing when it comes to preachers, you know, that, that people can be called out from at different times not to not to criticize there are i think of young timothy in the scriptures who was a a preacher and a herald at a young age and of course the lord can can do that but he can also call others like dr lloyd jones at various stages in in life and he'll also give them it seems the conviction and the circumstances you know to and the opportunity to go and do that so i i think we can learn here you had someone who was and, and also it's this the preaching is worthy of the best and brightest that is in the church. It is not a secondary. It is, Lloyd-Jones would say, it is, 
the most important activity in the world. And he wasn't saying everybody should become a preacher. In fact, he counseled people against preaching. He counseled his own son-in-law, who was a diplomat and a wonderful politician who did good things in that realm. He counseled him against entering the ministry because he knew it wasn't for everybody. And he'd almost say, if there's anything else you can do, do that. However, if there's a call on your life, then no matter when it comes, it is incumbent on on the person to to submit. But also he'd, he'd admit that he'd say that the Lord gets his people there um, by hook or by crook. He gets them like he did him, even though he fought against it and went through many experiences trying to resist in a way. The best and the brightest as preachers. Greg Jones is our special guest this hour. He's president of the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust. There's a website for the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust. It's mljtrust.org. And on that site, you'll be able to access the sermons that we are talking about today. And there were an awful lot of them, sermons from the great Martin Lloyd-Jones. Interestingly, this is the, I guess, the whole purpose of the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust, Greg, to get people introduced to and having free access to these amazing sermons. Absolutely, Neil. We are an um, all-volunteer organization. We don't have any staff or offices. The Lord has been very kind in giving us the provisions to make these sermons available online. We have one goal, to make them available to anybody who wants to listen to them across the world through our website, the mljtrust.org. We have an app, um, MLJ Trust, if you look for that on the stores, and a YouTube site as well. So we keep it simple. We just want to let people know that these treasures for the church are, are available for their edification or for people who aren't believers to to listen and, and be saved with the, with the preaching of the gospel. So he started his ministry at Westminster Chapel, as I mentioned, right on the start of World War II. And uh, let me just ask you too, some more context here, because I know that there's a lot of listeners who are interested in the history and uh, what things were happening around the world when it comes to the formation of how preachers presented the gospel. He was also born just at the end of the 19th century, just five years before the start of the Welsh Revival. Did he grow up through the Welsh Revival? What are your reflections on the things that shaped Martin Lloyd-Jones? Yeah, that, that's, uh, revival was a theme which dominated his ministry. It was one of the uh, themes which he came back to over and over again. On our website, you'll find that he did a series on revival. And, um, you know, being a, being a Welshman, uh, Wales has been a land which has been blessed uh, by many revivals in the past. So even though Lloyd-Jones, uh, you know, well, he'd have been a very young man during the 1904-1905 revival, by the time that he became, uh, you know, remembers attending church, sadly, the, a lot of the uh, churches had fallen into what he would call a, a dead orthodoxy, that those days had of, of fire and of the spirit working and saving many people at one time for God's purpose had had passed. So nevertheless, um, it still influences thinking. More prominent, perhaps, than the 1905 or 5 revival were the revivals that took place um, 
it, during the what is known in the states as the Great Awakening, or in in, in the UK is the great is the evangelical revival, the revivals of Wesley and Whitfield. Well, there was a separate work of the Spirit that took place in Wales uh, under the ministry of of a number of people, but uh, particularly the man by the name of Daniel Rowland, known as the Apostle of Wales, uh, called by J. C. Ryle, and um, Daniel Rowland's ministered in Llangaethio which is where Dr. Lloyd-Jones grew up. So he grew up in the shadow of uh, a statue, or actually, yes, the statue would have been there by then, uh, of Daniel Rowlands. Uh, so he read stories. Um, there was a book that printed by Banner of Truth called The Methodist Fathers of Wales, which he carried with him many places. So he knew of, even though he didn't experience it, and I would say never experienced it on the scale of, the revivals in 1904, 1905, or in uh, the 1700s. He knew of it. He believed in God's ability to convert many people um, at many times. And and, uh, he read the stories, loved reading about revivals, not only in Wales, but in Ireland and Scotland and and in the United States um, as well. So it was a the theme of revival and it's interesting I think in God's providence that he should choose for Lloyd-Jones to spend his formative years of all places this tiny rural hamlet called Llangaethio which in the eyes of the world is nothing but God mightily worked there through Daniel Rowland's ministry and Lloyd-Jones longed to see those days again and he believed that it was the only hope for the world was a a revival of the sort um, that we saw during those days. So he became known as an expository preacher. I wonder if you've got some ways that we can talk about expository preaching, because Mm -hmm. how is that different from topical preaching or devotional preaching? Mm -hmm. So I think the key is the Bible. And expository preaching in the style of Dr. Lloyd-Jones would seek to take a verse, believing as he did, that the word of God was the the tool uh, that God uses through the spirit to um, smash the hearts of uh, hardened sinners. And uh, believing that he saw that within the word was was power and depth and any other style of preaching, which would perhaps allude to the Bible or refer to the Bible would be lacking in the power necessary in order to do the work that the spirit would do within a heart through the work. So expository preaching is taking uh, a verse of the Bible and going through it and really getting to the heart of what the inspired words mean. What was the meaning that the apostle or prophet wrote um, and how does that apply to us today? And it takes the time to actually bring the way I like to look at it is it it brings it uh, it comes out of the text. It's it's coming out of the text instead of perhaps reading into the text or referring to the text. It's front and center is the word of God. And that was his belief that the word of God was the um, the key to uh, edification of saints and conversion of sinners. And I imagine that when we compare three sorts, expository or topical or devotional, uh, I guess you're not saying that any of them is bad. They're all actually good, but there are some advantages in coming back to this expository way of preaching. Uh, Well, I I guess I would answer that question by saying it depends 
if you if you hold that preaching is the proclamation of God's message to the world, then I would find it very difficult. And I think Dr. Lloyd-Jones would find it very difficult to do it in any other way that perhaps would take an issue at the forefront and then apply the Bible to it. It would seem like you circumvented the very source of power which is needed for the word to do its work. And, you know, what's interesting is there would be people... As you mentioned, he ministered in, in, in London during a very tumultuous time. And there would be people coming to him, uh, saying to him, well, we, we have to preach on whatever the situation might be in the Cold War or the Second World War at the time. You know, you think of all the major events, whether it would be uh, the events of the Second World War, the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, Kennedy's assassin. And people would say, you, you have to preach on this. And every time he resisted um, that temptation and said, nope, I'm going to preach the word as it is in front of me. And through that, he would find that the spirit would bring out a message that would be very relevant. Not that he was looking for it, but he would stick to the text and trust the Lord with the purposes for um, what he wants to do. Otherwise, I feel he would think he was guilty of it being his words versus the words of God, which he, it, it, it would seem like Dr. Lloyd-Jones would think that it is simply not within his remit of responsibility to do anything other as a preacher than to herald the word as it comes within the... Uh, Greg, before we take any calls, and I do want to invite listeners, so uh, you might have a contribution to our conversation, a question, a comment, even a critique is fine, 1-800-316-316. Uh, but uh, these sermons are available on your website, mljtrust.org, and I imagine that listeners can get them on YouTube and perhaps any other sorts of uh, you know, well-known platforms as well. Uh, what are your thoughts about listeners accessing these sermons? Yes, Neil, indeed. Um, the website is still the main source, um, but we also have an app which is becoming more and more popular, um, which you can find on the App Store. And, and YouTube as well is becoming a great source uh, since it's such a large, second largest search engine. We're finding people are searching for answers. And at the MLJ Trust, we're really making every effort we can to make these sermons available in the most optimized way through Google so that people can access them. So YouTube's another good one as well. Now, we're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Katie in Nil in Victoria. Hi, Katie. Welcome along. Uh, hi, Greg and Neil. How are you today? Very well. Katie, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, sorry. I'm actually in a bit of a rush today because it's my son's birthday. But um, I was actually interested. Yeah, I sort of heard partway through the conversation because three of my children actually have Welsh blood in them. So that is an interest. Excellent. Um, and also, um, actually, the son, whose 23rd birthday it is today, he sort of got off track a bit. I wouldn't say he's exactly walking with the Lord, but when he was growing up, we really thought that he was going to become a Christian apologist, or at very least a pastor. Um, and he sort of seems to be maybe heading back towards the Lord. Um, his name's Zach Leverett, actually. Um, but yeah, I also wanted to say that we, we used to go to a Presbyterian church. The minister has actually left and started his own church. Now he's in Victoria. His name's James Playfoot, and this is not a promo for him, but he's an amazing expository preacher. Um, I went to that church for several years with, I was actually on my own. I had a marriage breakup and I was on my own with four children. It was a very strict Presbyterian church at the time in Broadford, Victoria, 
um, which is still there, but he now has a church, um, Christian, sorry, Mitchell Christian Fellowship at Mount Clombinane, but it's a very small church. But he's a literally amazing preacher, and it was the kind of church where you could hear a pin drop in the church. You know what I mean? It was like, it was very strict, but, and they didn't really believe in, like, laying on of hands and all that kind of stuff, but I saw many miracles in that church. I think you're touching on something really important here, Katie. Uh, The thought that when you are preaching an expository-style way of doing a series, going through a whole book, uh, that people are, in fact, gripped by that. And uh, this thought of you can hear a pin drop, I think this is the sort of thing uh, that was uh, that was current too in uh, in Westminster when Martin Lloyd-Jones would preach. Let's get a thought or two. Mm-hmm. Greg, what are your thoughts here for Katie? Well, I think, you know, you, you've, you've done well to s- realise what expository preaching is and to counter the notion that people would say that it is boring or dull in any way when it's done right. The word of God through the spirit can grip a soul and hold attention. And, you know, Lloyd-Jones would uh, resist the opportunities available to him to go on to the television or radio because he refused to be, um, you know, put to 20 minutes or to um, be reduced in, in as the spirit would move for his preaching style. But I'll tell you a quick story, Neil, that there was what somebody once relayed to me by someone who was a congregant at Westminster Chapel that at the end of a particular sermon on the book of Acts, um, there was uh, 15 minutes of silence after the sermon was preached. And, uh, and this is after the sermon was preached, leave alone during the sermon. And, and the, the congregant looked around and she could see people holding on to their seats. Such was the power and the presence of the Lord through the Spirit who had gripped people's minds and gripped their whole personalities during that. So expository preaching but we also remember it must be blessed and used by the Spirit. Otherwise, it's it's all in vain. And Katie, while I've got you, as you're hearing Greg describe that uh, connected with uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, you're saying this happens when you're exposed to this expository preaching in the churches oh, you were talking about. It was It was literally amazing. Like, he would start off... Um, I haven't actually been over there for years, like to hear him preach, and you can get some sermons online, but they're not. Again, he's a very humble man. Um, but like he would start off quietly at the start, and it would kind of seem like it was a bit quiet or a bit boring, or like, you know, where are you going with that, this type thing? But he always, you know, did his best to let the Word of God speak for itself. And honestly, it was so powerful. I still, I mean, that was like many years ago because I've moved around quite a bit. Yep. Katie, I've got to cut in because we've got to keep going. But uh, look, thank you so much for your call. Uh, Outstanding contribution there. Uh, Katie from Nil in Victoria. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. There's a lot of ground to cover, and I want to talk about some of the controversies uh, that accompanied Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones too as an expository preacher. He was very opposed, Greg, to the liberalising of Christianity. And, uh, you know, we can talk about what liberalising is, uh, but he was opposed to that. And uh, there were a lot of UK denominations who were liberalising back in his day. We might even be able to identify some denominations here in Australia that are liberalising today. Any thoughts here about when you are an expository preacher letting the Bible speak that you're going to come into conflict with some other 
perhaps watered down forms of presenting the gospel? I think it's a natural result that there's going to be, as the gospel is preached, there are going to be um, enemies. And I think during Dr. Lloyd-Jones's day, um, he saw what would be, I think, best described as the watering down of doctrine. Um, you know, he was a believed in in the importance of doctrine and understanding the mind, understanding um, the principles laid out in Scripture. And there were others who said, we make too much of doctrine. We need to let, go easy on the doctrine, not worry about the doctrine. Why are we all divided and against each other? Um, we need to not focus on doctrine. And Dr. Lloyd-Jones saw that the very key to unity was doctrine itself, that we find our unity in doctrine. And we do not drop um, our in, the importance of, of the correct teaching, what the Bible says, in favor of what would be called man-made um, unity. And he was very resistant of that during his, his ministry. How do you describe liberalization or uh, perhaps those churches, let's uh, broaden that even denominations, that are considered liberal in the way that they they talk through uh, issues around the Bible. How do you describe what liberalization is? Well, I, I would um, describe it, uh, since you've asked me, um, I, I would probably say that it's uh, it starts with your view of the Word of God. And, you know, I think Dr. Lloyd-Jones would say that a key part of being an, an evangelical was... Uh, a acknowledgement um, uh, that the Bible is uh, inerrant, uh, perfect in its original autographs, but handed down to us um, in a way that the, the Holy Spirit superintended its writing. And, and that included things like Genesis not being a myth, but there being a real Adam, there being a real sin, and therefore a real saviour. Um, so I really, I really think that it, it's at the core of... Um, of uh, the liberalization is is a diminishment of the bible and that makes sense because if you attack the bible then you've lost the the core message you've lost uh, the authority of the message and that's a theme again that dr lloyd jones preached he preached with authority he believed and knew that the bible was what it says it is the very words of God to man. And all of the efforts that were going on were really seeking to undermine that doctrine. And at this time, you had a man who stood up for the sufficiency of Scripture versus the liberal watering down of Scripture. And in his day, and we talked about that 30 years uh, at Westminster uh, beyond uh, World War II, uh, where he was a critic of the Anglicans in the UK because he saw them as being liberalising or watering down the value of God's word, the gospel, uh, the biblical uh, uh, foundations. And he was a critic, and of course uh, he then began to be criticised by even well-known preachers uh, for the position that he was taking. So I guess if you make a stand Mm. for truth, you're going to perhaps sometimes invite controversy. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely, and I'll I'll preface my comments by saying I'm not a a historian. Um, I run the the trust and the the website, getting the messages out, but I do know that he did run into conflict um, and it wasn't all uh, my understanding is it wasn't all anglicans he knew that there were evangelical anglicans who were on the same page on many things that he was 
Um, it was perhaps some of the leaders um, of the Anglican uh, movement, some of the hierarchy, if you will, that had succumbed the what you would call the higher church. Uh, Anglicans, which had succumbed to some of the temptations of uh, the liberal liberalism, and uh, he believed that evangelicals needed to stand up um, for that. And, and you know, as you mentioned, had a dispute um, with John Stott, who uh, and called, uh, who didn't think that if, 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 you know, evangelical Anglicans should leave, but they should stay. And the two great men had a had a dispute um, over that. Uh, but Lloyd Jones felt that um, I, I believe I, my understanding is Lloyd Jones felt that you were compromising the message by sharing the stage and sharing a platform with people who denied the very basis of the gospel. And it, it was, I think, his love of the gospel which drove his bold claims and his bold efforts to keep the gospel pure and uncontaminated. Um, in in those in those churches and those denominations it was anglicans in his day and for him to make the public recommendation that if it's gone liberal uh, you need to leave and uh, mm. leaving that's where it gets controversial because some people might say well yes you could leave a church or a denomination that's gone liberal or should you stay and try and bring some level of reform uh, I guess that's a that's a question perhaps for another day. But I don't know whether you've got a thought around that at all. They're just uh, drawing you into uh, some some deeper water here. The, the idea of leave or stay, <laughs> fight for the uh, you know for the integrity of God's word. What are your thoughts here, Greg? Well, you know, Neil, I think it really varies on a on a case by case basis. Um, you always have to be wary of, you know, we always have to honor God versus man in, in our decisions um, when faced with those. But I do think um, that when you see the gospel being compromised, um, that that is certainly um, a reason to go through all the available in a, in a Christian way, speaking the truth in love. But we are not to be ashamed of the gospel. For we know that it is the power of God and the salvation to the to everyone who believes. So um, it would be those cases, not secondary issues, um, that that don't affect whether some if someone would be saved or not. It is the key message um, because this is not our church. The Christ is the head of the church, and the church is the bride of Christ. So we should aim to be as pure um, and make it as pure as as we can be, and and not obfuscate the life-giving message that only the church has access to. This is a world uh, struggling and, and, and dying, and only the church has the message that can change that individually and, and for families and society. Uh, you mentioned it was the great John Stott who made the criticism of Martin Lloyd-Jones when he said if it's liberalising leave. Uh, as I understand it, uh, 12 months later, John Stott made an apology to uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, for those comments. Any thoughts there around the fact that while you might have a robust uh, conversation even publicly between these great preachers, that ultimately they'll probably come back onto the same page uh, because they're all looking at the same scriptures? Yeah, and I, I'm not sure. I know that I think John Stott um, regretted using his position as chair to intervene in that particular meeting in, I think it was 1966. Um, 
but I do think that there is a um, there needs to be a winsomeness about the way that we have these discussions that frankly the mediums we have today of social media make it very difficult to do um, but I, you know I, I, I do think that uh, there can be um, a, a, a agreement um, and that you know these men if they bow to the same authority that 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 Concord is possible um, you know, versus uh, unhealthy debates, shall we say. Let's take another call. 1-800-316-316. Alex is in Melbourne. Hello, Alex. Welcome along. Oh, hi, uh, Neil. And, and I've forgotten the guest name. It's Greg. About that. It's Greg. Oh, Greg. Yeah, thank you. Um, in Galatians, we read about um, Peter coming to uh, where uh, Paul was got, uh, is, is preaching uh to the Gentiles and Jews are there, and they, oh yes, and and Peter sort of um, avoids the uh, Gentiles when the Jews come, and and so, but uh, Paul then uh, openly, um, you know, uh, states the mm. situation that's not right, you know. So that's just an example that came to mind. Uh, that's a good example, actually, uh, because, yes, mm. um, Peter uh, deciding to revert to some Jewish-only roots uh, when, in actual fact, uh, you know, all were to be recipients of this gospel. Uh, that probably does uh, demonstrate a little about how leaders can sometimes have a dispute. Uh, but then, obviously, in the case of Peter and Paul, uh, then they become on the same page. Uh, they offer one another uh, those corrective pieces of advice. That is the sort of way it works, isn't it, Greg? Yes, it is, and um, there's a, a an example um, from Dr. Lloyd Jones's life where he aimed to correct a preacher in Canada who was known as the Spurgeon of Canada of, the, of that day over um, a similar uh, and this particular preacher was was provoking uh, controversy by attacking. Um, and spending too much time in his sermons attacking the liberals and, and the liberalization of, of Christianity. And it almost became, uh, as Dr. Lloyd-Jones would call it, like a dogfight and that people would draw attention. And uh, Lloyd-Jones's uh, warning to the, the preacher was to, to not do that, but instead to, to win over in a winsome way and not to avoid those controversies. And he cited actually that example uh, from Peter and Paul, where the, what was the result uh, of that discussion? Well, Peter was won over, and that should be always the the goal um, in in doing these things, not to go for controversies or for fights for the sake of fights, but to do so um, with a view to winning over your brother. And I imagine that we can probably broaden that and say that any uh, church discipline or controversy by way of drawing another's attention to something that may not be right uh, may always have a restorative factor in it. Uh, so, yes, uh, good thoughts. Yeah. Alex, thank you so much for your call. Uh, 1-800-316-316, although time is running short. Uh, let me just uh, add another quote here from the great uh, Dr. James I. Packer, J.I. Packer, Professor of Theology, Regent College in Vancouver in Canada, who says Lloyd-Jones was without question the finest biblical expositor of the 20th century. And so the very fact that his sermons are available online today uh, through mljtrust.org and uh, through other platforms like YouTube. Uh, this creates an opportunity, and this is why we're talking to you today, Greg, because 
these historic sermons have something to speak into the present. How do you think uh, people are receiving these sermons, uh, given that, uh, you know, 20 million uh, have accessed? Uh, what are your thoughts here about mm. the impact of these sermons on a modern ear? Well, it, it excites me greatly because I know as these sermons go out, Neil, the gospel is being preached to a world that desperately needs it. And it seems sometimes in churches and in Christianity today, it's like the days of Amos uh, where uh, God's going to send a famine throughout the land, not a famine of bread or water, but a famine of the of the hearing of the word of God. And I, I am I'm thankful that we have these uh, these sermons that are available because people are starving. People are being fed uh, lightweight, trite messages which simply do not feed uh, the the soul that's yearning for the word of God. So um, it's exciting that, that you know people are able to listen and to um, to to learn from the word through these through these sermons. But I also hope that as the sermons go out, that people and 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 the church and pastors will realize that this is what people need. They don't need uh, contemporary relevant. Uh, messages that may be uh, talking about an issue of the day, they need to be fed with the, with the word of God in a way that brings out its full depth and that the spirit is uses uh, for God's glory in the world. So I, I, I'm, when I see the numbers, and we've been very blessed to see these uh, go right the way across the world, I'm, I'm excited because I know that the word of God is always working. It's always doing its job, uh, whatever it may be, as it goes out. So I'm excited uh, about that in particular. I mentioned time is short. Let's try and squeeze in one more call. Sarah is in central New South Wales. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Hello, Neil. Yes. Hello, Greg. Um, thank you for, for um, talking about Martin Lloyd-Jones. He had a big impact on my family's life. Um, my father was in, we came to Australia from England back in the 50s and he became to faith and he discovered the transcripts of Martin Lloyd-Jones' messages, and he was so um, excited by them. He published, he, well, he printed them and would hand them out to anybody he possibly could. He then made the decision to move back to the UK so that he could attend Westminster Chapel and hear his <laughs> ministry. Consequently, I was born over there in 1960, and then he took us to Westminster Chapel for years following that. And mm. my father had such a love for the Word of God and for expository mm. teaching. He started up Evangelical Press, which was a Christian book publishing company, which I believe is still running, and printed mm. off a lot of works like J.C. Ryle and um, John Bunyan and um, Spurgeon, different people. So, um, yeah, we have great memories as a family of um, the ministry of Martin Lloyd-Jones and the difference it made in my family. Wonderful. And Sarah, you can remember, you would have been, been fairly young then, you can remember sitting under the ministry then of uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Absolutely. I can hear his voice, very, very clear Welsh accent, which was delightful, um, and his manner. And um, every Christmas he would welcome all the children at Westminster Chapel into his study and he gave us all a little tiny bag of gold, uh, foil-covered chocolate coins, which was a Christmas gift from him. Um, and he would hold, his, hold the children's hands between both of his own and um, yeah, wish them God's blessing. Uh, Sarah, wonderful. thank you so much. I'm so glad I just decided to just squeeze in one more call. It's just wonderful yeah. to hear from you. 
really appreciate that and uh, you might like to be connected to Greg through that website mljtrust.org.au I'm sure you can get a a further message through to Greg but Sarah thank you so much uh, for your uh, wonderful story wonderful contribution you sat uh, in there under the ministry of Dr Martin Lloyd-Jones Time has run out. Greg, very quickly, uh, people can access the audio. As Sarah just said, you know, people can access transcripts. Do they get transcripts of those sermons on your website as well? So not on our website. We are purely the audio sermons. However, I'm very glad that there are reputable publishers who publish all of his books, Banner of Truth, Crossway, uh, Bake. I'm going to not name someone now, but there are, just look online on Amazon and you will find uh, it's a separate ministry uh, that the publishers do, but they are faithful in keeping these works alive. So you can buy the books as well as uh, listen to them. And many books of his has been published and, uh, and I commend them heartily. I must say, uh, just, and I know I'm extending this a little, but uh, when I was in Bible college back in 1988 in Victoria, uh, at the graduation ceremony, uh, there was a prize for best contribution to college life. And uh, my name was called, and the prize was a Martin Lloyd-Jones book called Preaching and Preachers. So uh, <laughs> I uh, actually have one of those, and it was a prize. So uh, wonderful Great. stuff. So mljtrust.org, mljtrust.org, you can literally hear the man himself delivering these expository sermons, and he comes with such great reputation. Uh, Whatever you're doing to access God's Word, you might like to add into that diet uh, some way of listening in to some of those sermons from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Our special guest this hour has been Greg Jones. Greg is president of the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust. That website to connect with Greg, mljtrust.org. Greg, thank you so much for uh, making some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 